Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back. I am so thrilled today to speak to Todd Sylvester. I was honored to be on his podcast recently and just such a beautiful person inside and out. And now happy to have him here to tell his story. And it is such a, you know, I only know a surface level, so I'm looking forward to chatting with you today, Todd, to hear more about it. But I know that you're such a big inspiration and have such a big impact on everyone that you touched, not only through your private work, but also through your podcast. So welcome. Well, thanks for having me, Elizabeth. I, again, honored to be on your show now and grateful to know people like you who were like-minded people trying to make a difference in the world. And it's just great to rub shoulders with you. Thank you. So tell us where, first of all, take us back to where you started on your path of where you're at now. We all have a story as to where, why we are, where we are at this moment, but bring us back to how that journey started and, and what evolved from that. Okay. Great question. You know, and it really started why I'm sitting here with you today is because I took a drink of alcohol, my first sip of alcohol when I was 11 years old. Um, I didn't get drunk, but I fell in love with kind of the rush of that. And I was Mm. like, man, and I knew it was wrong, you know, but I just there was something about it that kind of grabbed me. You know, I grew up in an atmosphere, my, you know, my family partied, my dad, you know, would drink, my mom smoked, and I just grew up around it. And it just was normal. And so you know, I knew I shouldn't be doing that at 11, but there was something like, I, I wasn't like trying to hide it either, to be honest. And so, oh, yeah. and that kind of just opened the door a couple years later when I smoked pot for the first time. And when that, when that happened, that opened up the whole drug world to me. And I started getting involved in every drug possible that I could get my hands on. I realized at a young age, I had this all or nothing mentality Hmm. which can be really good if you're got it channeled in the right directions. <laughs> right. But with drugs and alcohol, I was all in. I, I remember even saying it like, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. Wow. I, I loved it that much at age 13. And okay. um, basketball was my passion growing up. Um, I wanted to get a college scholarship. I wanted to play in the pros. And so I was obsessed with that too. I was all in with that too. And I, I would practice two or three hours every day, starting in sixth and seventh grade. And that was my love. And, but then unfortunately, you know, I fell in love with drugs and alcohol and, you know, and, you know, midway through my high school career, if you want to say it that way, um, I was an addict. I didn't know it at the time, but I was, and I was getting high every day, drinking every day and that kind of thing. And, and so that led to uh, eventually me losing my uh, scholarship. And there's a whole amazing story, if you want to get into that, that changed the course of my life. And that's why, ultimately, I'm sitting here talking to you today, which is blows my mind that had I not taken that drink of alcohol at 11, who knows if I'd even be talking to you today. You know, it's kind of weird to think of it that way. But it is and (laughs) having young kids myself right now, and I know your children are Old, much older than mine, of course, but <laughs> I actually was having this conversation with somebody just yesterday morning of uh-huh. 
wondering, is that kind of addictive gene, so to speak, something you're born with or not, right? Is that, do you see those behaviors in somebody that young and or when I say that young being 11 and were you able to recognize that in hindsight, like you said, you were always full in on one thing or another. Now with young kids, you see yeah. they're fully into one thing or another and you wouldn't yeah. equate that to, oh, it's kind of obsessive or it's addictive per se, yeah. right? But even with my children that are two, three and five, I can see one tends to be more into yeah. collecting things. One isn't really that into it. One's, you know, loves snacks and all that sort of stuff. He's, if, you're, if he's missing, he's usually in the cupboard getting a snack, you know? <laughs> right. So I start to look to see, are these behaviors telling me something or is it just normal, right? And I think there's a fine line as a parent yeah. too of overanalyzing it, right? To protect totally. them from these types of behaviors to no, it's just normal. So having yeah. walked that path yourself, would you say, I don't and obviously your career. So if you wanna actually yeah. tell people what you do for a living too now, it, which makes you even more educated and um, an expert in this field to answer this question probably, but um, yeah. would you say that that is a thing for noticing those behaviors at a young age or is it something that no, you wouldn't really know until later? A great question, um, wonderful question. I uh, For the listeners, um, I've been doing what I'm doing for 33 years now. Um, I've been clean and sober for 33 years. I, I've got a SUDC. Um, I've, you know, I've got a degree in business, but I also ended up getting, like I said, I got my SUDC and I've been meeting with clients over and over again. I have my own kids as, as well. And I think, I don't think we're born with an addictive gene, but I do believe that we, some kids like myself have more of a tendency to go down that. I was a very anxious kid early on. I think I was more a product of my environment because mm -hmm. when I look at my, I have four children and one of my daughters is so much like me. She's all or nothing. She's mm -hmm. all in when she does something. She's kind of has, she struggles with anxiety and, and that was me. And okay. luckily because of my, you know, my own experiences, I've been able to help her stay clear from drugs and alcohol by teaching her at a young age that uh, that's maybe not the route to go. But again, she copes in other ways, right? And so I think, I don't think, um, could she be an addict? Absolutely. Out of my four kids looking at them, she would be the one, if she got involved in that, she would be more like, oh my gosh, all in. That would mm -hmm. be really scary. Not that they all couldn't get caught up in it. But sure. uh, my experience is, is, I think we're more a product of our environment, but we do have tendencies. You know, some kids are a little more anxious. Some kids are a little more OCD. Some kids, you know, may have, you know, attention issues and things like that. And so as a parent, you can honestly see them going up. So there's certain things I think we can do even at, at, at a young age that I have done with my own children that was, uh, I think, life-saving for them. Well, can you share some of those things? Yeah, I think the number one thing, honestly, and this is going to sound so simple, and people are going to go, oh, yeah, when my kids turn the ages, when they turn the age of 12, I took them out on an individual date, just me and my son or my daughters. I have three daughters and one son. And I shared my story with them. I shared them about my addiction. I shared what happened to me. I shared how I didn't almost make it out. Now, I didn't give them all the gory details. But one of the things I hear a lot with my clients now, like I'll have a client, a younger client will share some heavy stuff with me. And I'll say, have you ever told your parents that? And they're like, no, I could never tell them that because my parents have done nothing wrong. 
they won't mm -hmm. understand. And I'm like, well, your parents have done things wrong. They just haven't told you. Right. So for those listening, I think the key is we don't have to give gory details about our past to our children, but our children need to understand. I, I wasn't a perfect kid. I struggled. I struggled with anxiety and feeling depressed at times. And I, I unfortunately got caught up in drugs and alcohol and I shared my story with my children. And to this day, they'll still tell me, dad, that was one of the most effective things you had ever done. Cause I think sometimes as parents were afraid, like if I tell them I did these things now they have, Oh, I'm going to go do it too. And I know every right. kid's different, but I also, um, in that conversation told them what I expected the, of them as, as the way they would live their life. I said, I don't want you going down that road. And if you ever feel like you're going down that road, you need to come talk to me. And I promise you, I won't, I won't, you know, shame you, but I will be able to talk to you. And so having that open dialogue at a young age was to me, the number one thing that really helped them. Yeah. And that, it makes so, so much sense. And I feel at least from our generation, I don't know about you, but those types of conversations were not had by our parents, sure. right? Like yeah. we never talked um, about that. <laughs> no, the open dialogue now, I think sometimes we overcompensate with our kids, I think, because we do know that we can try some to be so much better than our parents. But at the same time, I think they are we we didn't our parents didn't give us enough credit to understand right. it. And like what yeah. you're saying yeah. for your kids, they got it. It yeah. resonated with them. It landed with yeah. them and it changed. You could probably say it changed some decisions that they were put in front of in high school or college or whatever yeah. it may be. Right. And yeah. not having that conversation leaves people, children, whoever kind of in the wind of not knowing where to go and what to do. I know yeah. I often say for me, I was, I think I was always too afraid to make the wrong decision. And that's a whole nother thing. Like, yeah. why are you, why are you so fearful? But in a way, my parents never had to worry about me because I knew like drugs didn't interest me and yeah, right, alcohol, right. I could drink it or take it or leave it, that sort right. of thing. But, you know, my boyfriend in high school wasn't that way. He was like you and, yeah. you know, nobody yeah. knew that. But at the same time, it's we weren't spoken to so bluntly, I guess, about it. Um, right. And it is such a real issue. And I see it all the time still with, you know, we're dealing with my extended family, a brother, my brother-in-law's family with addiction. And mm -hmm. it's a real, literally, to your point, it's ripping apart the family, yeah. the situation, everything. And it's so destructive. And For trying sure. to get ahead of it in any way you can, I think is helpful. Yeah, I'll add one more thing to that. Um, Please. One of the things that I and again, I had a mentor in my life. I'm standing on the shoulders of a, of a giant right now. This mentor mm. took me under his wing, but I give him credit for a lot of these things I'm talking about. But at a young age, I, I, I taught my kids that if you tell me the truth, I'm going to give you a promise as a parent. I will not get upset when you tell me the truth. Now, that's a bold thing to say, right? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I also would say that doesn't mean there won't be consequences. That doesn't mean that there doesn't need to be some discipline behind it. So because what happens is when kids associate telling the truth and getting in trouble, guess what, who no one wants to get in trouble. And when you're a kid, you're like, I'm going to avoid saying that. Because And I, I will tell you, even the two year olds understand yes. that concept. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So when my kids would say something to me, like, Hey, dad, some kid, and this is a true story. One my son said, Hey, I got offered uh, marijuana today. And he was in junior high at the time. 
And I literally just gave him a hug. And I said, thank you for telling me the truth. And -hmm. then I said, so what did you do? And he goes, well, I told him no. And I said, great. Uh, Do you need help with anything around that? And he says, no. And I said, again, thank you for telling me the truth. Instead of going, all right, where's that kid's parents, you know, and start freaking out. Okay. I'm taking you out of that class or whatever. No, I didn't do any of that. Now, did I think that maybe a little bit? Sure. (laughs) But I was taught that by my mentor. And I tell you, my kids, they'll, they'll testify. They grew up knowing that they could tell me anything. Mm-hmm. And then I would actually just give them, thank you for telling me the truth. And, but we also had consequences for some things that they maybe have, you know, messed up on. So it was really. So we're working on the consequence part, I would say at our house, but that is yeah. a mantra of ours that you will not get in trouble for telling the truth. I love it. Love it. And love it. I think the part is they still try to not tell the truth until we (laughs) talk through that conversation and say, you will not get in trouble if you tell the truth. And then they do. And so then it's, thank you for saying that. But me as a parent, now I need to figure out, oh no, now what are the consequences? Of course, as you get older, it's different and becomes more interesting to navigate, I'm sure. But I think just that, that small sentence to somebody makes them feel safe right? And safety and security is for me growing up with an alcoholic father and my mom with some mental illness. That was a big issue I realized is I wasn't feeling secure and safe. And I think part that is part of what kept me very straight and narrow is I felt kind of responsible of, I need to make sure I'm good because the situation isn't really good over here, right? So um, every it manifests and comes up in different ways, but I think that's great advice for any age because, you know, again, that two to seven-year-old phase two is when they're really being imprinted the most too about how they communicate with them. And I know for me, having my children come to me with anything is you, that's my my prayer for them that they always yeah, feel that yeah. they can and at this age you never know what's going to yeah. end up right, um, right. so yeah. all we can do is hope and pray that that will end up being the way but i love it so, i love that you're doing that it's great tell us a little bit about your podcast it is so impactful for so many people and so impressive in so many ways so tell our audience a little bit about that and oh, how that you. came to to be its own thing yeah well, I call it a belief cast because I'm obsessed about beliefs. Uh, upon okay. that little word belief, hang all our sorrows and all our joys. And so, mm. you know, there's an old Latin proverb that says, believe that you have it and you have it. And so I've always just been obsessed with beliefs because I used to struggle with my own beliefs. I, I used to believe I wasn't good enough. Um, I'm different, so I can't connect. My problems are too big and there's ultimately something wrong with me. And those beliefs held me back and kept me stuck. And, and it really honestly fueled my addiction. And so mm-hmm. I just decided to call it a belief cast. And about six years ago, um, you know, I've been meeting with clients for 30, like I said, 33 years. And the stories I hear of people, what they've been through, how they overcame it, and now they're doing this and that. And so I thought, I want to start sharing these stories. And so yeah. on a whim, I bought this podcast starter kit on Amazon for 99 bucks. It's, it, it was this cheap little one mic. And I, I thought I'm going to just do one episode, see how it goes. And I had this guy that uh, was a former client of mine. And we had this one mic that we're both trying to talk into is really awkward. <laughs> and I did about three or four episodes. And I thought, man, I really actually like this. This is really cool. And so I decided to go all in, right? That all or nothing. So I went and bought all the best equipment you could buy. And I, I, you know, 
you know, decorated my office with all this great stuff. And I just started meeting with clients. I, at first I thought I'm going to share just on addiction, but then I realized everyone has a story. Like mm -hmm. you have a story. I mean, and your stories are amazing. And, and again, like, that's why I was so drawn to you, Elizabeth, just the light you bring into this world is so amazing. And I want to, I, I want to, forecast i want people to see that i want to broadcast you because of the way you live your life because guys we need more of this light into the world and so that's kind of how it started and that was like six years ago i just posted my 291st episode we're ranked in the top 100 in mental health uh, and um i'm booked out with guests till the end of october that's and awesome. it's and it's just it's caught this momentum you know and i'm just like i, I and you probably do the same thing i like pinch myself going you know, I had you on my podcast. Are you kidding me? You know, I just, it's just cool. And that's kind of why I do it. I love sharing stories because people, it saves lives. Honestly, I've had people say, Hey, I listened to so-and-so and I decided I wasn't going to end my life. And I thought, okay, this is why I'm doing this. Yeah. You know? it, it it really is that. Well, first, let me say too, I just got off a client call before I got on with you and uh -huh. to talk about belief. Um, she's, the words she used was, I'm a failure, I'm yeah. barren, I'm horrible, I am, you know, all these things that are, I, I just get goosebumps saying those words, because the right. power of these words and the belief that people have, yeah. has the power to change your DNA and how you show up in the world, right? Totally. And it is an a reprogramming of your brain essentially to change that belief and yeah. it's a lot easier than we think right but sure. having somebody to help you through <laughs> that process is really key because yeah. when you're in those states it it doesn't seem like it's ever possible to change that and i think you and i can both say it is possible yeah and yeah, we've absolutely. seen it many times <laughs> yes and yeah. so also that mental health aspect that mindset is it, it, in fact it says it right behind you mindset is everything oh, oh, it yeah. really everybody <laughs> can relate to mental wellness in some form or fashion whether you actually deal with it on a severe level or you know somebody who does or just you're having a funky day or you're having a better mm -hmm. day right you know that yeah. that affects your mental well-being so Absolutely. I highly, highly recommend you listen to Todd's <laughs> podcast, Beliefcast, and yeah. and to re refer that out to other people because you never know who needs to be hearing some of this, some of the stories that he has on there. Because, yeah. like I said, everybody can relate to some aspect of that, and sure. um, yeah. just yeah. that again, that word is so powerful in and of itself. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. So before we started to record, you were telling me about the, first of all, a few things, but uh, that you just bought a cold plunge, which I am <laughs> so fascinated about. And I'm going to circle back to that because yeah. another part of that, which I love that you said is that your family works out together every Friday, yeah. which I think is such a cool I don't know if you call it a tradition, a habit or what, or both. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. How did that start? And, and when, you know, how to tell me about that a little bit, because again, the ages of your kids, you can share that, but I would think at some point they're not really interested in hanging out with the family on Fridays anymore. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> so no, great question. So I have four children. I have two grandchildren. My, uh, my oldest daughter is married and that's where we get our two grandchildren from. And then I have my son who's, uh, he's still single. He's uh, 26. And then my daughter who's 25 just got married in August. 
And then my youngest daughter, um, she's, she's in a relationship, they'll probably get married, they've been dating for three years now, and she's 21. And so that's the date range of my kids. Well, we we do like exercising, you know, and you know, exercise is big for me. It's part of I I work out every morning. It's part of I call it my morning meds. um, Because it's so critical for my mental health. And Mm -hmm. so anyway, my family, fortunately, all love working out too. And so um, my son-in-law, uh, put a, a gym in his basement. He, he just got this, you know, started buying equipment. And so one day we were just working out on a Friday, it just happened to be on a Friday. And we're like, we should be doing this every Friday and we should have dinner together and let's watch a movie. Oh, and, that's awesome. and, and so we started doing that and, and we've been doing that, you know, I think we're going on almost a year and a half now where we work out, we usually get dinner together and then we watch a movie, but then we also incorporated this thing called, it's called the plunge. <laughs> and <laughs> it's where you go and get, uh, you sit in the sauna and then you go sit in the cold plunge and then you rest and you do like three rounds of that in an hour. And I, I couldn't believe how good I felt after that. And so again, me all or nothing, I thought I'm buying <laughs> me a cold plunge. And so I did, I bought a cold plunge and we were talking off air before we started that I started the cold plunge. I did the cold plunge this morning to kind of after my workout to start the day. And I was just, man, it just, it, it feels amazing. It, uh, and the benefits they're coming out with that they're finding out is it lowers anxiety. It lower, it's good for your central nervous system. If you have migraines, it helps with that. If you have joint pain, I'm not kidding you. It takes away your joint pain. Now, well, is it, it because your body's so in shock that, like, you can't, yeah, you can't think about anything else? Yeah, it's probably a little like, bit of that. What is happening? But I'll tell you, the mental challenge at 6 a.m. to get in a cold plunge at 45 degrees, I'll tell you, it's such a mental thing. But I, I'll tell you, I just doing that, knowing that I, man, I did that this morning. One of the hardest things you could do is get in something cold after you know, being, you know, in a workout and in your warm bed too, and that kind of thing. And so I've incorporated that in my, in my routine, so to speak. And it really has been a game changer for me. Is it getting easier or do you feel like you still have to psych yourself up to do it? It's getting easier, but I still psych myself. Like if there was a camera on me when I'm standing on the side of it, I'm over there going, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Just get in, just get in. And and sometimes I'll sit there for like two or three minutes trying to psych myself up, but uh, yeah. But yeah, but it is getting a little easier. <laughs> I literally don't think I could do it. I, I don't think you I could. Can. If you did it once, uh, you'd be like, because what's interesting is when you get in, you the goal is to control your breath, and and I'm that's where I struggle the most. But the first thirty seconds, I'm like trying to slow down my breathing. But once you get there, after thirty seconds, you I don't know how to explain it, but you feel this calm, and all my thoughts, negative thoughts, they're gone. I'm one with that cold plunge. Talk about being present, right? What, what did Buddha say? Like when you're present, the suffering stops. Mm-hmm. I, I really am not suffering, even though it's, I'm in this ice cold bath. And so, yeah, it's, it really truly is a, an amazing thing that I've been doing. Are you supposed to stay in it for a certain amount of time? Because if the, I did do it, I would be in and out. <laughs> and I'm sure that doesn't count. <laughs> Maybe not. They they say the sweet spots between four and five minutes. So okay. any, I think anything after six you're... minutes, you're kind of getting a, you know, a diminish on your return. But uh, yeah, I stay, I stayed in five minutes this morning, which was a record for me. <laughs> yeah. So, Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Well, 
more power to you for being able to do that. I, I think it's oh, awesome. I, oh, I Like I said, you. I have seen so many amazing people that have this as part of their routine and yeah. it's impressive. It really is. So again, yeah. good for you and good for you, you for bringing your family together in that way for you yeah. all to decide this is what we're doing. I think that that connection at any age too is so important to lay down that foundation for then, like you said, your grandchildren who are now here and, and all of that. Oh. And bringing back, I mean, there's studies that show the families that are connected and eat dinner together yes. and do all of those things, those children are that much more mentally well than those that, you know, yeah. don't eat together, et cetera. So um, again, now that my kids are young, we're still trying to figure out what are what are our routines going to be? What are yeah. our traditions going to be? How can we start to incorporate some of those things? So I love that idea. Yeah, can, uh, I always say connection, when you're connected, you're never more fully alive. And, mm. and having your family connected like that. And in my world, uh, connections, the opposite of addiction, right? Yeah. When, when I'm in my addiction, I isolate, I, I, and, and I may be connecting with the, uh, but it's usually with the unhealthy people, which is not a good thing. doesn't mean they're bad, they're just unhealthy, like you are, if you're in your addiction. But mm -hmm. that connection piece is huge. Yeah, I've been saying lately since the whole COVID thing that connection is the new currency, at least in my world, and having yeah. that be, like you know, that. really treating that as the currency and yeah. how how present are you when you are connecting with people because they can feel that and it is so healing for whoever it is that you're talking to, even if it is over Zoom, right, to just yeah. know that I had for a sure. connection with someone today. Yeah versus totally. I'm isolating myself or whatever else you're doing, or I'm just, even if you're not isolating yourself, maybe you're just busy, busy around working or doing whatever, but the currency of a connection is there, you know, there's no end to that. So I, I agree with you on the same page yeah. there. Yeah, good stuff. So what do you feel, of course, your children is a, the probably your greatest accomplishment and creation, but aside from your children, what would you say in your life today would be your biggest success as far as creating in your life? Is it your belief cast? Is it books? Is it your, your business? Is it your overcoming addiction? What can you share with our audience about what's your biggest creation to date? Wow, that's a great question. There's a lot on that list. Yeah, family's usually at the top of that. But if I, if I couldn't mention my family, I would have to say the greatest accomplishment, the greatest thing I've ever done was to create the belief, which by the way is true, that there was nothing wrong with me. Mm. Um, one of the things, I actually have it on this other side of my wall in my office, because my clients sit right here behind me. Okay. And I have them read this statement out loud. And it says, the most, the most delightful surprise in life is to suddenly recognize there's nothing wrong with you. Because mm. my addiction wasn't the problem. It actually, I was fueling and feeding myself with irrational beliefs. I was poisoning myself with that belief that I wasn't good enough. And so mm -hmm. actually overcoming that belief and believing that I'm okay, that truly was, I mean, I look back and that's been the catalyst of everything I do. It's allowed me to write a book. Um, I can't even believe, I mean, I wrote a best-selling book. I, I, that blows my mind. I, I, and I'm just an average Joe dude. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but but I am passionate about what I do. And I know you can relate with that because you're so passionate about what you do. And um, so yeah, that's been the catalyst for everything else in my life is believing that I'm okay. Which so is so touching because 
so many of us feel that we're not okay at some point in our life. Yeah. And it just depends sure. on how deep that takes us, right? For some people, mm -hmm. it takes you to addiction, to some, to divorce, to yeah. whatever, oh, food yeah. addiction, whatever. So I- well, It's kind of like that call you just had with that yes. client. They ultimately are saying, I'm not okay. Now, here's the thing. And I yeah. want to make this clear for your listeners. There's, it's, it's, you know, it's very popular right now to say, it's okay to not be okay, which is true. But I like to add at the end of that, but you're still okay. You just don't know it yet. Right. And so, and that's where you come in for people who reach out to you. Yeah. That's ultimately what you're eventually getting to realize that, Hey, even though you were going through that, you were still okay. And they go, Oh yeah, I guess I was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? exactly. Exactly. Right. So speaking of the book, let's hear about that before we wrap up, because that okay. is definitely something that we cannot leave without <laughs> speaking of. Yeah. So um, I wrote a book called I am recovered and you know, in the recovery world, that's almost a four letter word, you could never say you're recovered. Mm -hmm. But uh, in my 33 years experience and meeting with 1000s of clients and actually going through it myself, I have seen people be recovered, I think that's actually possible, you can overcome any addiction, and go live your life. I think a lot of times we identify ourselves with the years of, of addiction. But who was I before that ever started from zero to 13? before I ever did any of that stuff, who was I? I was honest, I was uh, forgiving, I was kind, I had the will to never give up. Just like your mm -hmm. own children, you see that in them. That's yeah. just inherently who they are. And so this book is about my story of overcoming it, losing my scholarship. Um, uh, I share about how I was um, getting ready to end my life and then I had a miracle happen that changed the course of my life. And so I get really real and raw in that book. Um, it's not a long book. Um, but it's powerful. And it's if anyone who's listening to this has a, a family member or a loved one who's struggling with addiction, I think this would be a good book for them to kind of help them down that path of getting, getting the help that they need to overcome it. But uh, so yeah, it's just kind of in a nutshell what the book is. And it's it's it was like a labor of love. It was like, it's kind of like bittersweet, like it was it was so difficult. But at the same time, it was great to get it done. <laughs> And, and so helpful to people that are out there. And I think that's sometimes yeah, what yeah. we forget, right? It's hard for us, but knowing that somebody out there needs to hear that, just like you were yeah. saying about your podcast, people have said it saved my life. There's yeah. somebody out there needed, even if it's just that one person, which now you know it's more than that because it's a bestseller, but it, it's, it's so helpful because so yeah. many people are going down that same road and need that, that one book to just be like, that's the hope that I needed for today to change yeah. my trajectory. Right. Yep, so, exactly. well, it was such a pleasure to speak with you again, Todd. Yeah. Thanks again for your time. Thank you for all the work that you do in the world and we'll chat again soon. I hope. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the creation innovation podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.